Episode 266 of the Saturn Studs Podcast. I'm Kurt, joined this week by my vengeful co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. This week we're coming at you with the unstringed banana edition of the cast. That's right. We took them out ahead of time. You're welcome, world. Hey, Jake, where are you? I really sorry, wanted Peter. to do I that. Nothing. I wanted to be slick, but I couldn't. I I spent all my time taking the strings out of the bananas. I have oh those kind of <laughs> oh yeah all right all right all right. Now what, that I think wait, about what, the anatomy wait, Jake, of the banana, what the fuck did you think I was talking I, I about? I was literally I was like confused. That I thought you were getting like some like you thought I ran like a banana through the through the spaghettifier. I thought you were the, getting like some fancy cutter? bananas that like came. On like stringers and like it's like oh fancy bananas, bananas. via zipline they're, they're organic <laughs> oh they're they're in a string they're individually wrapped bananas in fairness I I've never heard the term unstring a banana before so I was a little confused then, as to what was going and then on. I remember I had an idea of what that might be yeah but I'd never heard those words well, used to describe usually it. when I eat a banana i just i just un unpeel it all i take off and i just uh, so I never deal with strings, so I just <laughs> consume that all it just slides down to my gullet yeah atheists if if God weren't real, why are bananas the same shape as my throat? yeah, <laughs> they were made to fit each other, and then the rocks in my gizzard start crushing it up. <laughs> <laughs> you think ever you think like if a goat has indigestion he just gets on a trampoline be like this will grind it up <laughs> do they do the same is thing do they, they have like, like rocks in there is that why goats like to climb because it shakes everything up yeah. and helps to digest <laughs> wait could we make a goat <laughs> a goat martini where you just pour you pour the gin and the vermouth into a goat and you kick it off a cliff. <laughs> it's fine and it spits the whole thing back out into a glass. Goated, not stirred. No, you just have to Go- milk it. It'll come out the other. <laughs> come out the tits. Here at Tipsy Bartender, we make the weirdest and craziest <laughs> <Yeah>. drinks. <laughs> I don't even think Tipsy Bartender would have to like up whatever drugs he's on to get to the point where he'd come up with the goat martini. <laughs> no, I've seen this circling Pinterest and everything. <laughs> we'll see if it actually works. <laughs> no goats were, were harmed in the making no, of this joke. Goats are never... <laughs> Anyways, we're coming at you live, as always, from a convoluted heist plot. And it's just super easy to rob any sort of bank, any sort of uh, truck, rather, armor truck. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do it. You got <laughs> a couple of your buddies on a weekend, go find an armor truck. It's free real estate. Provided that one of your buddies works at the armor truck company and the rest of them are just go rob it. ex-military. Just go find mm. and rob it, though. <laughs> It's just so anybody, simple. You just, just need to get Michael Weston, and he'll make you your plan. You, you don't even need anybody <laughs> you special. Have, you just you can get Post Malone with the face guy with the face tattoo. Post Malone, 
he did work in this movie. <laughs> I mean, yes, he, he was in this movie, and acting is technically work, I, so in that sense, he did work. I in think the- Post Malone stole the show. I think he did better than a lot of the other actors that are paid to be actors and made and, that their career choice. An hour into the movie, I was still thinking about Post Malone. <laughs> I think... You were thinking about him post Malone. I was, it's very difficult <laughs> to say that he. Uh, you were like, I mean, he had like two lines. <laughs> yeah, they, and I couldn't but stop thinking about the lines about on his face. And I'm not talking about the tattoos. <laughs> I had to restart the movie, and go back five hours in time, and say and 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 watch it all again. Still thinking about post Malone. Two hour. No, movie. it wasn't. You can't tell me that. It was six hours. It was the fuck. It was, it was one hour. This is the longest minutes. movie I've ever watched. <laughs> it's literally less than half the Snyder cut. Zack Snyder couldn't make a longer movie than this. Never. <laughs> well, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder's his... never made a shorter movie than this. Zack Snyder broke his movie into four. No. And now Guy Ritchie decided to break his movie into four. Army of the Dead was shorter because I blacked out and I just let. <laughs> It was like you're, it was literally on your screen for longer of a, a longer time of the day. I, I don't think Zack Snyder up. realizes that you can cut things from your movie. Oh. You don't have to have oh. everything in there. If we want to get into it, I, I I watched some stuff, and I'm pretty sure he cut important stuff. <laughs> he, oh. know, he knows to cut stuff. He just doesn't know what to cut. Instead, everything must he just be- goes in there with some scissors. That's his Artur style. He just makes random you know cuts what? in the film. People stuff. are just gonna you know, put like, it together in he's their like head. He's like the Kung Fu girls from fucking uh, Black Dynamite. He goes up to the script, <laughs> yeah. got Kung Fu bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, we watched Wrath of Man. It was uh, Wrath of an interesting Man. Movie. I don't think it was quite as good as the last Guy Ritchie movie, but I still enjoyed it. Um, is the executive summary. We'll have more detail at the end of the show. Um, but first, we got trailers to watch on a segment we call Trey Watch. Bet you'll never guess what Trey is short for. A tractor, actually. Uh, Commonly, yeah. Okay, uh, it's where we go up to a highway and we go watch tractor trailers drive by and point out which ones uh, should be automated and which ones should not. I'm tempted to actually do that one time. I'll go up to the uh, the, probably. the highway by the river, just sit on the bridge and be like, "There's one." That one probably, yeah, they probably one. save some money if they like fired that driver and just made it automated, like the 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 driving trailers from Old Man Logan. Logan. <laughs> Logan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like how like that's set in the near future. And all the, like, technological advancements seem, like, very pedestrian. And, like, yes, I could see us in, in eight years being there. Yeah. It's just like, oh. Mm-hmm. Who needs, who needs drivers? <laughs> you can just have robots and GPS and a so, grid system. Well, I think I know. Once, if Tesla keeps keeps hammering in their autonomous mm-hmm. driving, you, we're, we're not, you know, we're not so far away from That's that why, day. Mm-hmm. I, I think Tesla, I'm going to call it now. This is Jake's financial advice hour. Tesla's not going to be around in like five years. No five years. (laughs) They're not going to be making cars, man. Honestly, honestly, there's a chance that that's true because the guy who runs Tesla uh, 
has several psychological issues that he needs to have diagnosed and treated professionally. So I could easily see him waking up with a wild hair off his ass and making a series of very poor business decisions that bankrupt his well, company. Well, I think I think I'd actually be really smart if they converted to like just batteries, motors, and like GPS or the the auto the automated driving, and then they sold that shit to like Ford and Chevy and GM, and were like, hey. Don't worry about your suppliers. We'll give you it cheaper or something like that. And then, because they have really good stuff. It's just they don't make so, cars good. I guess the issue with that is um, Ford and Chevy and stuff already sink the overhead into employing their own engineers for other reasons. So they prob- that's probably not going to be cheaper in the long run. It's the same reason why... Uh, advanced crystal group doesn't make any money because we're not set up to make any money for an r&d wing for coherent yeah um i just i when we're thinking about hair wild hair ass ideas i just think about the time that the boring company made um they wanted to make the loop system but instead they made tunnels underground that you you get taxis and the taxis drive you in the tunnels underground Just like in America, you made the subway. (laughs) The motion picture. Um, So they claim that this this movie is from the the people who brought us Archer, The Expendables. Let's see what they say all the way through here. So Archer, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, The Expendables. And Magic Mike. So I really want to know who the fuck is working on this movie that they can claim that shit. Uh, Judging on the quality of the the writing, I will assume that the people who work on Archer are the animators. Because they certainly didn't write this shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say the people who uh, worked on Into the Spider-Verse, I don't know, maybe they do color, because they certainly didn't write this either. I 100% here. believe that the writers of The Expendables wrote this. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it has the potential to be a funny concept, uh, but if the strategy of we put all our best jokes in the trailers holds true here, oh boy, is this movie going to be rough. Oh, yeah. I'm excited there were no as good fuck jokes in the trailer. I thought it was funny. I, I thought this um, was the funniest shit ever. My man turned into a pickle. My man hit a bell and made a crack in it. Ah, oh, it's Liberty Bell. Uh, That's so great A comedy right there. I, this movie starring classic American hero Simon Pegg. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah, uh, I really it's a really inspired decision for them to just adapt my high school textbook into a movie. Just word for word. It's yeah. really amazing. The amount of accuracy you they pulled to, off there. Uh... <laughs> I got like they before they had to send it back uh, so that Texas could use them for all their kids. <laughs> my defunct. Yeah, we went to school in Alabama. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, it's been confusing going through life because it, like every television show refers to the war of Northern aggression as the civil war. And I just don't understand why. It's nothing civil about it. 
Woo-hoo. 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 Oh, uh, this movie is, again, uh, if a child saw T- uh, Team America, World Police, it was like, I can do that. But with more explosions. What's that? So, so what's got, that one book series that um, uh, they would always like go back in time or something like that? Was it something like in a treehouse? The Magic Treehouse. Oh, oh Magic Treehouse. Treehouse. Yeah. I was literally about to there, say there like, was another time traveling one, wasn't there? Uh the Indian in the cupboard. That was no. That they, was Toys the time life. traveling one of those. But there was there was like two. There was Magic Treehouse, and then there was another series that was like almost the same concept. Hmm. I can't remember for the life of me what it fucking was. I'm gonna try to Google this. Y'all remember, y'all yeah, remember Liberty's I, Kids? Liberty's <laughs> I don't. But I well, I they, remember they the name. still show yeah. if you go up to Saratoga today. Actually, I can't confirm this, but if you go up to Saratoga as recently as five years ago, they still have like an area where they show Liberty's kids to educate the children about the Revolutionary War. They The, the historical uh, uh, presentation of the events is fairly accurate from my understanding of the yeah. Revolutionary it War. Was a, it was a... They put it on the public TV, so it can't have been it too It was fun. an edutainment program. Wild shit, yep. I just... I, I'm... I'm replaying the trailer and I'm just like looking at it with the sound off just focusing on on the um, on the animation it looks super weird it's because it's 3d know. it's one of those 3d in in a 2d kind of dealios is that what it is that what is they making mm-hmm. it weird i don't know that's why that's why they got sony animation boys because they're like you know how to make a 3d thing look like a like a flat animation image there's so much going on in this trailer that I don't know what this movie's about still. And I'm curious. I mean, we had... It's the real history of America, Jake. We had Paul Bunyan trying to chop down the London Tower as a robot. Big Ben, yeah. yeah. Like, you don't remember reading about that in sixth grade? Come on. I don't remember the slogan being, don't tread on me, bro. Um... No, I got a flag. That maybe says there that. was maybe that was just a misprint, or they left it out. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's the Mandela effect you got going on there, Jay. Oh, just like shit. I, don't try on me, bro. I for same kind of thing. I thought that the the guy, the big guy, the black guy with the hammer. I thought it was Mark Henry, but I'm like, no, that's a pro wrestler. <laughs> I think he's. John John, I think he's supposed to be John Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this looks weird, and I love it, and I'm going to watch the shit out of it, because I'm a sucker for terrible movies. That's why I watched Army of the Dead, and that's not the last time I'm going to say Army of the Dead is a bad fucking movie, and I'm disappointed in Netflix. Time Warp Trio. That was the other one that was just like Magic uh, Treehouse. Let me see. Time Warp oh. Trio. Oh, interesting. This is like a, yeah, this is like an early, two. it's got that early 2000 style. Yeah, is that, 2005. Is that the next card? Is that the blue card that's going to be printed in Modern Horizons 3? Just three time will take three, three turns. Three <laughs> time will <laughs> time It's okay. We, we, put, we put fucking uh, suspend one on it so it's balanced. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's fine, right? Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be six no, mana. No, it's gonna be it, a time warp trio, and it's gonna be it's gonna be like uh, the, it's gonna be like seven mana, but have delve on it. See, it's balanced. It's like treasure cruise. Yeah, <laughs> you have to pay all this mana. There's no way to no way, no way to reduce that cost. We already have two time. We literally already have two time warps stapled together, and I have it in my collection called time stretch and it costs 10 mana you take two turns in a row you think that's a lot but in commander is a lot of exploits well, it's enough that when i play it everyone fucking quits mm, wonder like, why? i don't want to deal with a turn just like player. in divinity of sins a turn economy is, is really really oppressive i wonder i wonder why someone might quit if you tell them you don't get to play magic for a while <laughs> Funny, that's how Brago. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite mana. part of playing any game is not getting to play it. <laughs> and that's the best way to play it: making people not play the game. Just don't think about it too hard. I've changed the value of one wood to be one wood. <laughs> Just like you, you don't want to think about reminiscence too much. If you do, you might start like thinking, "Ah, this I is a bad movie." Made X Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> How many times does uh, Hugh Jackman have in his contract that he has to wake up <gasps> in like a bath of water? <laughs> goop we already got three. We got the Prestige, we got this, and we got X-Men Origins. My man has perfected. Are you sure in Oklahoma he didn't wake up from a trough? He's like, <gasps> Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Where the... <laughs> Uh, oh, I mean, he, he, I'm sure there's a scene in Les Mis where Jean Valjean's like, <laughs> under the water. I'm in water. <clears throat> no, in fact, the opposite. Uh, I, I heard about, I, I listened to some behind the scenes stuff on that. So you know how this is a, have any of you guys done music, like vocal breath related <laughs> music stuff? Singing um, or an instrument or any of that? I sang in the car yes. last night. Hey there, Delilah. I, so, I've been in a couple bands. You ever had a dry, cr crusty throat and tried to sing? Yes. kind of hurts. So mm. you also know how Hugh Jackman likes to do the dehydration, cut water to get buff? Uh, oh, right. So I he cut all going. his water for like days, uh, except for what he absolutely needed, and then did 10-hour shoots of trying to sing opera. Oh. It's that's like how, when you're... I don't think that's that how you lose well. your voice forever. It's like when you fucking go and when they're in your shower is too hot and like the air is so humid in there that you can't like take in enough air to hit a high note. So you almost like pass out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Except he did it so he could look good shirtless and then he doesn't look. I don't think he's shirtless in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he took his shirt off. You either, you either have to look good or sound good. It's like pick a lane. Can't do both. Huge. We got no Jake. We got computers that can fix both. <laughs> I have I'll, I'll send you That's a how video Kesha on how had a career, Jake. Was. That's how um, TikTokers but, are getting careers too. It's crazy. Right. All of a sudden, they're like professional singers. So in it's um, the roots of the app is cringe lip syncing. Well, now they're uh, so, real lip syncing. So this movie, it's. It's, it's Inception and uh, Minority Report and Blade Runner. It's dystopian sci-fi. 
Yeah. Five thousand. Five thousand. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really um, know if like the like the dystopian aspect of it is really going to play a huge part in it. it. Didn't seem like it did, and the it was just like it's it's a setting. Ah, the world's yeah. ending. The world's kind of gone to shit, so people want to like go in Mad Max. Memories. If you watch, if you watch the original Mad Max, like when I say Mad Max, you have an idea in your head of what that looks like, right? You know, mm-hmm. marauders on Desert. fucking trucks raping people, Waterworld. and, and step away from the gasoline. Um, the first Mad Max wasn't like that at all. Like there is hardly anything to indicate it was in a post-apocalyptic world that was just used as the setting because they didn't have any money to make the movie. Right. <laughs> just, we'll just film it in the desert and say it's the apocalypse. I wasn't mad yet. <laughs> it wasn't even really in the desert. It was like in the <clears throat> Australian brush. They had like two locations or three. Uh, one was like just by a highway somewhere. And uh, they, they got permission to film like outside of one building in a town. <laughs> And that was the police station. And there's just very few locations in the movie. And it's just a backdrop for the for the like cop revenge film that the original Mad Max is. Then you get to Mad Max 2 and it's what you think of when you hear Mad Max. So Reminiscent is probably going to use the same sort of thing where it's like, we don't have to shoot in a bunch of locations and hire extras if it's post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Except now they get to spend all their money on hologram CG, which means that they took the pass of the actors and then just put a transparency filter on it. Mm-hmm. We did it, guys. We're science fiction. Um, this, I guess there is a plot. I don't... That's, that's a theme among <laughs> our trailers this week, is that there's a, pre, there's a big premise, but no plot anywhere to be yeah, found, except yeah. for our big, mo- our big trailer for this week, which we will get to at the end. Um, yes. Like, yeah, so the premise is people have VHS VR where they can go back and watch their home movies on on VHS and everyone's become uh, 20s gangsters because of global warming <laughs> and the and the war. The war. War never changes. People like nostalgia. That's the whole thing. People want to escape reality, go back and get that nostalgia factor and go into trippy cool dream sequences this movie brought to you by the member berry gang yeah member <laughs> member when flappers are a thing <laughs> yeah no, I, I, so i don't know <laughs> what hugh jackman is or i guess i know what he's trying to do just on a small level is like see his wife or or whomstever but yeah. on a bigger it, it, scale, I, I don't mean, know why we need to be in this setting to do that. My, my guess is just, that like he, there's an addiction aspect to this. Like people get addicted to going back and seeing their memories. Um, did you perhaps get that from the scene where he goes, "I want to go back. I put, put me back. I want to go back." Yeah. And he says, "VR is addicting. Oh, it's a <laughs> it's a drug." I'm really in the tune with trailers. <laughs> this is like when we play Divinity and Peter like stumbles into a cop. And I'm like, I run off to save him and Jake's still looking at the traitor inventory. <laughs> Jake could, Jake is going to find a thing while we're in the middle of a fight one day. He's like, wait, you're looking for this scroll? And he's going to save our ass. Do it often. I'm like, I, oh, oh, a key? This key? <laughs> wait, I found it. Aha. 
So that's reminiscence. I bought it uh, from the store five hours ago. <laughs> All right. Speaking of evil VR experiences. Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the biggest story to come out of this movie is the fact that Cop Dog. Oh, uh, we're not going to is... talk about Demonic? Oh, Demonic. Okay. That's another thing. Yeah, that was. I know. I didn't. I didn't plan on talking on it because I didn't oh, see okay. it. Oh, I um, thought that was another trailer for. Um, uh, Conjuring. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can put it on the background. None of the dialogue helped me to understand what the fuck was happening. It's a Neil Blomp uh, clomp, plomp Neil thing. Neil Blomp clomp. Yeah. Um. So. No, it's uh, distributed by a company I've never heard of. She's. So that's always a good sign. What if the Matrix was evil? They have a cool. There's. I like it because there's a cool. Wait, was visual the Matrix effect. not evil? <laughs> you and I remember that movie differently. It's like a, it's yeah, like the a Matrix was Benjamin good, right? Button. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess the girl. Go. I guess hell is is somewhere in the south. I don't know. Like that makes yeah. sense to me. They, there's Florida. a cool visual effect over Florida, some of the movie, yeah. and that's about. <laughs> That's the only thing I, I'm like, yeah. Why do you think all the old people go to Florida, Peter? <laughs> it's literally Please. hell. It's it's just where they go in the afterlife. It's a Some good. of them go further north. <laughs> you need a good... It's it's to reduce the commute times. <laughs> they go down as old you people You would not come believe what traffic man. looks like on the hell turnpike. I yeah, really hope they, in they five... They call it the highway to hell, so yeah, it's like... Yeah. That shit backs up for a long way. Beep, beep, beep. Come on. Why can't we get a why can't we get at least like a but, stairway? Come on. What the fucking the, <laughs> like the, the, like the, the ones they have for heaven. They have a stairway to heaven. <laughs> Everyone gets to go up that but but that's the trick of it, is that the hell is just the traffic jam on the highway to hell. Like, if you ever get to the end, your sentence is over. You get to go back to, like, heaven or get reincarnated or whatever the fuck your belief system is. <laughs> yeah, and right as you think traffic is picking up and the person's going a little bit faster and you're like, oh, nice. It's loosening up. And you slam in the brakes. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so that's demonic. That's um, Awful. <laughs> that is exactly yeah. the plot of Demonic. I did not. Again, what this fits into our plot, our plot of Trey Watch, where there's just like, there's no plot. It's a cool premise, no plot. But again, our big trailer this week, which has a plot, they said it to us in the trailer. Thank God, this is one of the most competent trailers I've seen in a while, uh, and it is the Paw Patrol movie trailer. They introduce the setting. They introduce the problem. They don't tell us how the problem is solved, but they set <laughs> it up so that you're excited to see how they'll resolve it. It shows that there is action and also comedy, and they they show us the main many of the main characters that are that are going to be in it, not just the people that you know from the TV show, from the documentary Paw Patrol. <laughs> Documented Bob Troll. But front and center is the, the cop dog, which is a, a bold political statement bold. these days. I I promise you, I will record when I go see this. I will be shouting A cab every time Chase 
comes up on the screen. I promise you this. I will not oh. let them go un All cop dogs are bastards. All. Hey, Cab. Every time, I like the part no where joke, I do, whenever I see a, like a Chase Paw Patrol, like, toy in, like, Walmart or some shit, I always, like, fucking pick it up and slam it to the ground and say, hey, Cab, fuck you. <laughs> Especially when another child has it, yeah. he just rips it out of their hands. Nice. What are you, some conservative bitch? Hey, Cab! <laughs> Gets his kids right up in their face and shouts, The hey, mother's Cab. just appalled and be like, I get it. <laughs> the fucking bull. and then you go shut up bitch and smack her down I can't wait for the scene in this movie I'm progressive <laughs> I can't wait you stare at the broken child and bitch left mom because <laughs> I'm walking right by I'm the you. most progressive no I um I can't wait for the scene in this movie where they tell us cop dog's <laughs> origin story where where a cop takes his thin blue line flag and he pulls off the blue line and he wraps it around a dog's collar and it gives him the power of a cop. <laughs> you see, I was thinking that he got bit by a radioactive cop or shot by a radioactive <laughs> cop. <laughs> shot by a radioactive cop. <laughs> It's it's funny because police kill. We're so just many pissing dogs. everybody off. We've gotten no. All our viewers are gone. I swear they that dog their was, dogs are gone, but for different reasons. I swear that dog was was reaching for a gun when I asked for its license and registration. Someone shut that dog up. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a puppy, not a dog. They made a point. To clarify in the movie. Let me, as I fucking share this, this poignant article. Can we make uh, article. the superhero cop man whose origin story is he got shot by a radioactive cop? And then we can be super edgy and make him black. What the fuck? The DOJ estimates that around 20 to 25 to 30 dogs are killed by cops every day. Oh my! With some oh numbers as high as ten thousand a year. In Detroit, cops killed at least twenty-five dogs in twenty fifteen and twenty-one before the first half of twenty sixteen. Why is nobody talking about this? <laughs> we are though. We are. This article is from two thousand and eighteen. <laughs> Dude, Peta, get on it! Like, stop worrying about like. People not eating no, tofu or shit. Peter doesn't believe you should keep a pet. It better a pet should run the world. I'm okay with that. Furry justice. <laughs> don't don't Google that. <laughs> don't Google furry justice. The only fur, the only justice furries deserve is a bullet. <laughs> I think we did the trifecta. And now we've there. alienated we've the got it all. We got the complete we, circle. We, we covered the. We covered every aspect related to Paw Patrol. <laughs> this is interesting. I'll bet it is. <laughs> the fuck? A group of furries stopped it. 
I think I remember hearing about this. This is some like South Park. Like, Could you shit. imagine being the guy who got beat up by a fucking bunch of furries? I didn't know where to hit him. <laughs> they had this giant dog mask. I was terrified. I tried hitting it, but I just bopped its nose. I want the I want the people. To be fair, in the... I was on a lot of acid. <laughs> I want like the people in the the lamb masks, like in the you know the sheep masks from like the neighbors or like the purge. They are on the one side family. of the room, and then the furry masks come in from the other side of the room. <laughs> what the fuck are you, Jake? What are you? Jake's, oh, is that his image resolved for furry justice? Yeah. Okay. There's also a YouTube video, but I don't want to click on that because that looks like Roblox. <laughs> I think we've gone off the rails here, gentlemen. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's bring it back and uh, follow up on some of these movies that we have previously talked about on Trey Watch in a segment we call the follow up. Um, it, it these are almost like pre-pandemic numbers, at least at the two, top two spots. A Quiet Place Part 2 opened to $57 million in th- nearly 3,800 theaters. I want to say... So that's like... I think that's better than A Quiet Place 1 opening numbers? Yeah, probably. Sequels usually make more money, at least to start with, because... The second one, yeah. Everyone likes the original film. Mm-hmm. They're usually not as good as the original film, because the writers don't have... More ideas. Yeah, but this is gonna their, be. already wrote their story. This is gonna be better than the first one because, and I'll tell you why. Part of it was made I, in I, Western New York. That's what, that's what? I don't lie to you. Akron, New York, was one of the shooting locations, and Wait, all my friends. Akron, New York. Yeah. How close is it to the Akron, a place Ohio? Beyond, a place beyond the pines was filmed in Schenectady. No, nobody cares about that. A Quiet Place Two was filmed in Akron. There's, they're literally filming Salt some was HBO filmed bullshit in and right uh, out the fucking front door. So was the other guys. Actually, there was also a scene in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two. I think it was uh, that was filmed in Buffalo. S O U. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The secret of the ooze. <laughs> All right, and uh, $93 million worldwide for A Quiet Place Part 2. Um, yeah, drama, horror, sci-fi. It just has all the genres. Thriller as well. Um, and in the number two spot, Cruella, bringing in $26 million in nearly 3,900 theaters. Wow, that's a lot. That's like 170 more theaters that showed Cruella than Quiet Place Part 2. I understand that Cruella is PG and Quiet Place Part 2 is R, so that has, I'm sure, a lot to do with it if you're a family theater. Maybe maybe they're like family theaters or smaller theaters that just didn't want like a violent movie shown. Small town with not a lot of people who would see it. So they showed Cruella. And yeah. and that's and honestly that's a big number for Cruella, which also was streaming on Disney Plus, which you could get for thirty bucks. And yeah, I'm mad well, that they stuck with the that thing, number. Like, 
if they if they did if they didn't do premium access, it would be impressive. But I think the reason they have it set at such a high price is to drive people to the theater. Uh, maybe, or uh, I think they they think that you know for certain families it is a better deal. Um, or I'm sure they don't care about what the families think. <laughs> I think they're just like this is the money that we want to make off of this. This is the number that we. We have decided we are okay. Yeah, no, I, I know. It's like it, that's the number that they're sticking with. I mean, they they tested it out for Mulan, and I think they I and think everyone disliked it. Everybody disliked it, but it still worked. It's like, but it's so weird that like they they flip flop. Like, uh, what's it? Onward didn't have that, but Raya did. Uh, Soul didn't have it, but Mulan did. It was they. I like, think they were trying to get some data. Now they've sure they've yeah. figured it out. I think they were like, tiptoeing yes. around, like, okay, what are we gonna do for it? And then maybe, maybe higher production value ones they they charge for it or something like that. Or if they think it's gonna reach a wider range of audience, they'll charge for it. I don't, which is weird. I don't think Cruella really reaches a wide range, but maybe it does. I don't know. I'm not in tune <laughs> with the Disney adults in the world, so. No, they're they're a little too much for me. Uh, but Corella is our spotlight film, so we'll take a look at how it's doing uh, critically. It's got a 7.4 on IMDb, a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, so for once they are in agreement, and a 59% on Metacritic. Actually, let's look at the average score on uh, the tomato shit. Oh, they do, that, do they not do that anymore? That's that makes this a far worse platform. Rotten Tomatoes. It does have a 97% audience score. So some people like it. Which is weird to me because I I guess I don't run in the broadest circle on the internet. So <laughs> it might just be confirmation bias. But I have not really seen a whole lot of positive chatter about this movie. Which is why we have to go down to street level. And get to the bottom of what's going on with these movies. And there's no more street level place than the IMDb user review section. Where real reviewers with real reviewer traits uh, congregate and share their opinions with some of the worst grammar and punctuation you've ever seen. And we begin with a 10-star review from OPS 52535. Man, if that's your OPS, you're hitting the baseball real well. That's a sports joke. I'm sure that landed with a great chunk of our audience. (laughs) It's just magnificent. Submitted May 28, 2021. And pretty Maleficent. It's the best live-action Disney movie made for ages. I can't find anything that drags this movie down from the throne of heavenly made movies for the silver screen. Having raised three children with all the animated Dalmatian film on auto repeat times a thousand, I thought I knew the story about the real Cruella, but now she's my new favorite. It's called the retcon, sweetie. <laughs> Extremely good role play by Emma and Emma. Oh, is there some Emma and Emma role-playing action in here? <laughs> Might have to revise my stance on this movie. Uh, Horace and Jasper were, were a delight, and the whole 
ensemble delivers for over 140 minutes. The production design, the filmographic artwork, and super sharp editing left both me and my wife drop our jaws. So now we smack gobs at each other, dribbling snot and tears over the pit. Pitiful story about Corella DeVille. This is all right. If I didn't think this was a troll before, now I'm certain of it. <laughs> I do not. Re- do I recommend this film? Yes. Separated by two ellipses. Yeah. And do watch it in the cinemas. It's just too extravagant for your flat screen and 10 watt surround system. Dot oh. IMAX. Here comes the grumpy old man. P.S. I forgot to mention the soundtrack's chosen INT make this a smooth ride of silver screen passion, and the original score must have, without an apostrophe, been inspired by the sound of a DeVille. Like a Cadillac coupe? Oh. I'm stunned and far over the limit on heart rate right now. Uh, Norwegian characters, as we say in Norwegian commercials. If any of you want to take a stab at this, be my guest. Oh no, I gotta I gotta remember my collective at uh, music video knowledge. Salip, Ogyep, Salip Ogyep. That's got it. Hundo. Wow, that was a fucking ride of a review. Huh. Well, uh, Conrad for real uh, disagrees a little bit and says it's one out of ten. Pure horse manure. Warning spoilers. Now, well, at least it's pure. Tell me where the spoilers are because I have no idea. Meaningless story. I think it's in the first sentence. Spoiler. Spoiler. Me- meaningless <laughs> story. Yeah. Spoilers. Meaningless story. Meaningless story about an evil mother being overtaken by her evil daughter. Low frequency. That's that's a spoiler right there, actually. I think that's That's the only actual sentence about the movie, too. Uh, (laughs) Because this next sentence is weird. Low frequency beings perpetrating their evil deeds, having (laughs) lots of money on the account of innocent other beings, parentheses, that they do not care about. The world does not need these people, and we certainly, and we certainly does not need this movie. Hmm? Well, we certainly does not. (laughs) It says a lot about Disney's purpose, purpose on this planet, to destruct it totally via our children. Skip it for something constructive, mind you. One out of one. Out of 183, found that helpful. That, uh, that was certainly something. Oh my god. That oh review was pure horse manure. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> these, it's, it's, looking at these, there are some interesting trends. Like, no, there are, there may be a couple good individual reviews I've found in here, but the trends are interesting because there's people calling it a ripoff of The Devil Wears Prada. But then there are also people calling a ripoff of Harley Quinn. Yeah. And then they're also referring to uh, Emma Thompson and Emma Stone as the Emmas. I see that a lot. Yes, I've seen that a lot. That's weird. I don't know about that. But meanwhile, we've got a 4 out of 10 review here from Ekstal. 
Uh, the House of Rubella. Oh. Um, a rare diversion for Marge Simpson as she joins a monochrome ensemble as irritating as Scarlet Pimples while going through the process of conjuring a major disappointment, especially after all the publicity and hype. 54 out of 112. Short. It's like a tweet sent by a schizophrenic. <laughs> all right. Well, impressive girl... Three seven eight five seven. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Impressives, girl. That's a ten out of ten review. Best Disney live action so far. Very interesting. Hyphen. I didn't expect it to be good at all. The soundtrack is top. The fashion is top. Performance is awesome. The story is surprisingly good. Hyphen. I thought they were going to ruin my favorite childhood tale, and they definitely changed the story, but I was very much surprised in a nice way. Costume design, makeup, and cinematography, absolutely gorgeous. After the awe, space, full backlash from previous Disney craps, I expected this to be a lot worse, and I was more than super pleasantly surprised. There is really not anything bad to say about the movie besides Emma Stone's accent as Cruella. But I guess that works well showing her madness. Very dark, edgy, and rock chic. I A, love everything about it. Plus, the two Emma's acting was awesome. Three out of seven. The two Emma's. Two Emma's acting. Letters from Emma Jima. <laughs> Okay, uh, this seems like it's a little bit more serious one. One out of ten. The you mean that re- wasn't serious? Yeah, sometimes they sometimes we find a good one who actually thinks it's a one out of ten for not racist issues. Um, the reimagination and ruination of a Disney icon villain by Gareth seven five four four two. Then we accidentally kill him in the Nameless Isle. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't you be dead, Gareth? What are you being? What are you doing? One of the two things we did on that place. (laughs) (laughs) It would seem DC Warner aren't the only company willing to defecate all over their iconic characters with unimaginative, uninteresting, and ridiculously expensive silly reimaginings that are completely pointless. Disney are also happy to as well. Run on sentence. Points deducted. <laughs> Points is there, deducted. Is there not a... I mean, is there a review that isn't just run-on sentences in this <laughs> section? I haven't yet to encounter one. <laughs> the comedy is lacking. The action is tepid. And the reimagined story is a pile of smelly dog do. <laughs> the uneducated and intellectually challenged have likened this to the Joker... Neither the character or the film bears any resemblance to the Joker character of or the recent movie. In fact, the cartoonish Cruella character is nothing more than a ripoff of Vivian Westwood, the iconic fashion designer that was largely responsible for bringing modern punk and a new wave fashions into the mainstream. 
This is yet another pointless movie from the House of Mouse and its dried-up ideas. The regurgitation and ruination of ideas that have been and should be left alone to bask in the glory of their initial triumph. God, this guy is, like, so pompous. He's going after it. Disney should spend less time robbing the back of ca- uh, back catalog and spend more time searching for new talented Imagineers. Perhaps this is the state of the world for today. For theme park? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Didn't they just do the cool Spider-Man thing? That was pretty cool. <clears throat> Uh, In 1961, Disney released 101 Dalmatians, a literal work of art in story and animation. Six years later, in 2021, Disney released Cruella, a lackluster offering that is more childish and immature than a Saturday morning cartoon for six-month-old babies. 221, or 220 out of 410 found that helpful. Six-month babies even watch television? They just fall over and get their heads dented. All right. Do you want... All right, I have a selection here. Do we want a review from from one of my storied recurring reviewers, Aaron George, um, who will actually talk about the movie? Or do we want a random satanic panic mom? I mean, I think we need a satanic panic mom yeah, in our lives. Panic mom. Shout out to Aaron George. He gives it a 63%. He's got some good shit in here. Um, he probably gives it like an actual ass review. So if A-R-U-N-G-E-O-R-G-E-13, if you ever want to like actually look at some reviews for this shit. But no, we got E. Hortav's 6 out of 10 Cruella review. So, Disney no longer targets kids, or do they? It's gone, guys. Disney as we knew it, as we grew up watching, is gone. No morals, no nothing. The words hell and devil being exposed (gasps) as a cool and good thing by a Disney movie shocked my entire family while watching. Captain Elizabeth! Directing this ideas towards children, I mean, what is going on? Emma is great, though. One out of seven. Which which Emma? Emma. Both Emma's. One of the Emma's. Emma. Emma's great. But they said the words hell and devil in their movie about Cruella DeVille. (laughs) Oh, this movie... Wait till she finds uh, out about Disney's older works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so that's Cruella. Number two movie in America. Raya and the Last Dragon moves up to third from fifth last week. So quite a rise for that. Uh, $2.8 million. People getting out to see that in theaters, even though it's out on home video right now. 13 weeks in, $117 million worldwide. The domestic box office has actually buoyed quite a bit recently uh, and is now only 13 to 12.8 million behind the international box office. Which, kind of crazy to think. Wrath of Man, which you will get a review of later, uh, mm-hmm. is in fourth. With $2.79 million and 2,600 theaters. Spiral, 
slides down to fifth, $2.69 million. Demon Slayer Mugen Train in sixth, $1.5 million. That keeps trucking along there. Godzilla vs. Kong in seventh, 1.1 mil. Excuse me, Dream Horse, 829,000. Those Who Wish Me Dead, 739,000. Good enough for ninth. And the 2021 re release of World War Z takes 10th place with $448,000. Um, and The War of Grandpa is still in there, 36. $3,266. I got scared there for a second. $93 per average theater. Oh, let's see. Is Crude's New Age? Yes, Crude's New Age is also in there. 27 weeks. Uh, 34 weeks for War of Grandpa. 27 weeks. Crude's New Age. $72,000. So that actually brought wow. in less money per theater than War of Grandpa did. Wow. Oh, Jesus. But like, we're making our money back. Damn it. Oh, boy. It. We're going to do it. We're on to gaming news. It's just going to be a couple stories because I do have, I plan at least, to have my Mass Effect 1 Legendary Edition review here but if we run too long which let me take a look at how we're running now eh. uh we'll see how quickly this goes because i might have to put it up on youtube as a separate thing if uh if it runs too long uh fortnite is getting a graphics upgrade so it might uh, which is a bold strategy because one of its appeals is that it runs on whatever potato computer you have mm -hmm. and that might be at risk if you get too crazy with your graphical upgrade. Uh, let's see. They have announced Fortnite will be receiving a significant graphics overhaul as part of the game's 17.00 update, which kicks off Season 7 on June 8th. Fortnite already looks good on PC. It's adaptable art style, conformance to whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there room for upgrade? Just Okay, so they, here's the new recommended settings or recommended specs for the new epic graphics settings. So an NVIDIA GTX 1080, which is still a pretty strong card, um, an AMD RX 5700 XT, which is also still quite a strong card, or equivalent GPU, four gigabytes of VRAM or higher. Any of those cards would, would have that. Um, I should probably have eight. Intel Core i7-8700 or a Ryzen 7-3700X or equivalent. That's actually a pretty beefy processor demand. 16 gigabytes of RAM or higher, an NVMe solid-state drive, and Windows 10 64-bit. That is quite demanding yeah. settings. I'm interested for, to see what they look like. For Epic, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. Um, Fortnite's recommended settings stay the same, though. So, hey, here's the, listen to the difference between these fucking specs lists. So, the recommended thing is uh, a regular NVIDIA GTX 960, AMD R9 280, or equivalent. Those GPUs are both in like 2011 or yeah. 2012. Huh. <coughs> um, 
or any equivalent DirectX 11 GPU, two gigabytes of VRAM, a Core i5-7300U at 3.5 gigahertz, <laughs> um, eight gigabytes of RAM, and Windows 10 64-bit. So, Jesus. Well, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, like, the drop off. different uh, like consoles wouldn't be shifted in graphics or not, like phones and stuff like that, or if there's a different setting for those. I could probably see them trying to run, well, you probably could run, like, the. you can update the PS5 and Xbox Series X, and maybe even the Series S, um, to run on the new Epic graphics settings. I could see mm-hmm. that being pretty easy to do, but I think, like, last-gen consoles are probably going to stick with the same... They might get a little bit of an update, but I, I would. Looking at what they're recommending, like a PS4 and an Xbox One, just aren't going to be capable of running that at a stable frame rate. Yeah. Uh, so, AMD has finally counterpunched with their answer to DLSS. It is called AM or Radeon Fidelity FX. They announced this technology at Computex. It is essentially the same sort of machine learning AI upscaling that uh, NVIDIA's DLSS is. It doesn't look quite as nice as DLSS 2.0, but it does look pretty good. And the very exciting part about this, why everyone's very happy to see that this technology exists, is that not only will this technology be available for AMD graphics cards, but it will also be available on NVIDIA cards going back to the GTX 10 series. So you will be able to get a lot more life out of your GPU uh, if you have one of these 10 series cards. And like, like I said, the 1080 and 1080 Ti are still pretty good cards right now. Yeah. Uh, even without this, but this is just going to make them uh, viable for a lot longer, which is great because you still can't get your hands on the GPU for a reasonable money. Even with NVIDIA releasing the RTX 3080 Ti this week, a graphics card that costs nearly twice as much as a 3080 and delivers a whopping performance increase of Two to, or I'm sorry, four to six percent on average. Ooh, wow. Um, when you did, I, the reason why I, through all the rumors that this card was going to be released, said I don't think so, is because between a 3080 and a 3090 is only like a 10, 10 or 12 percent performance gap. That's not a lot of room to slot in a product. <laughs> And have it make sense. So I guess NVIDIA's thought process here was if we sell it at this price, the MSRP is about what you might be able to get a 3084 from a scalper. So maybe they'll use this. The The issue with that is scalpers are going to buy these cards. <laughs> They're going to get double scalped. Yeah. Um, and predictably, oh, they so sold out in minutes. Mm-hmm. online so even if you were going to buy this terrible value card you were likely unable to get your hands on it yeah but um, isn't it believe... not even being released for a while no it came out uh, this week and like, it sold I mean, out but, like, like shipping like like you actually get your hands on it um no they had in-store oh, okay, they stock did. um i believe the 3070 ti which 
is a little less egregious of a price gouge, but still not worth the MSRP. Gotcha. I believe that comes out later. Hmm. Um, so, hooray, Fidelity FX, boo, 3080 and 3070 Ti. Uh, that's your tech news roundup there. Um, itch.io has a Palestinian aid bundle that includes hundreds of games for $5. I think we've talked about itch.io before when um, they yeah. had some crazy deal where it was like a thousand games or some shit for $5. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, I feel like I'm feel like I'm in the mall walking by those kiosks where it's like 99,000 games in one paddle. <laughs> You know, plug it into yeah. your TV. It's just a tennis racket. <laughs> Thousands yeah. of games in one paddle. <laughs> uh, do, 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 which will feature more than a thousand games. So they're doing the same thing that they did before, I guess. Uh, or they've got a package of like a thousand something indie games. Uh <laughs> Um, sorry, I got a Discord notification that made me laugh. In May, so yeah, they're doing this thing again. So it's a bunch of indie games. There are usually a couple that you may recognize, but most of them are going to be from developers you've probably never heard of. But you could discover a new favorite in a thousand games in like five dollars. Even if you play them for like one minute each, you're still going to come out way ahead. Yeah on the money you put in so uh help them out if you want to contribute to palestinian aid i'm not going to touch that with a 20-foot pole because it's very mm-hmm. heated situation uh but if even if you don't care about that five dollars for a thousand games is a good deal uh, it appears as if Bloodstain Ritual of the Night is getting a sequel. Um, it took longer than expected for Koji Ukurasha's Bloodstain Ritual of the Night to arrive, but the delays proved worthwhile, and we got a very good uh, Castlevania-esque game out of the mm-hmm. deal. So we're doing the full circle, right? Where like Castlevania tried to become God of War. God of War is now something totally else, but. We need something that's going to fill in the Castlevania. So we got this. It's the circle. It's the circle of life. Well, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is essentially what happened if Mighty Number no. 9 wasn't shit. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Koji Igarasha is like one of the main designers of Castlevania. Uh, who left Konami because Konami is a terrible place to work. Yes. Um, and then he did a Kickstarter to make a Castlevania-inspired game, and they made all these stretch goals, and it got delayed a few times, but it actually came out, unlike a lot of these other kickstarter back games, and it came out well. And people were like, oh, this is awesome. And then they saw that there was some money in this, and they did an 8-bit-style spinoff which was Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, and now they're going back to their sort of, like, pseudo... I guess it's kind of like Hades sort of graphics. Um, Mm -hmm. With a Curse of the Moon sequel. Or not a Curse of the Moon sequel, a Ritual of the Night sequel. 
Um, so if you were a big fan of Bloodstain, which I know many people were, you will be very happy to hear that there is a sequel coming, I'm sure. And uh, so that, that's cool. If you're a fan of Bloodstains, um, then we have a movie for you. Yes. But first, I think I have time to talk about oh, yeah. Mass Effect 1, the legendary edition of the game. So I will focus mostly on what is different as we have. I have talked ceaselessly about Mass Effect in the past. And we have done a full playthrough of it on our channel. So uh, there isn't, I don't feel, a, a ton I have to say about the vanilla version of Mass Effect. So I will focus mainly on what is different between Legendary Edition and what is uh, the same. Or if any of the changes didn't make it better. Fortunately, I am happy to say that most of the changes made do enhance the experience quite a bit. And... Kind of weirdly, paradoxically enough, because Mass Effect 1 received the most updates, it kind of feels like the newest game, despite being the oldest. Mass Effect 4 1. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely stuff that they didn't change that I like better about combat in 2 and 3. I feel like if you were going to unify combat a across the trilogy, you could have made a bigger step towards doing that if you had included more of the maneuverability options that are in the latter games into Mass Effect 1's new combat system. But I understand you still want it to feel like there's a progression in mechanics across games. Um I have more. I'll have more to say about that when we get to the Mass Effect 2 review because I have uh, kind of some frustrations with the change changes they've made or didn't make to that game. Um, so, but we're we're focusing on Mass Effect One here. So the biggest change that you will immediately notice if you're playing the game as someone who's played vanilla Mass Effect One is that the gunplay has been reworked and is a thousand times better than before. And they've also made an interesting gameplay change, which isn't like necessarily a change in uh, like gameplay restrictions. So in the original Mass Effect, you could equip to any class any of the different weapon types. But if your class was untrained in that weapon type for example if you were an adept you couldn't you could equip an assault rifle but you couldn't aim down the sight that was the sort of like counterbalance to that in this game they've removed that restriction so essentially every class becomes the soldier because every class can fully use each weapon which kind of makes the soldier a little less interesting to play but the, the mechanical balance to that is that the soldier is more effective with each weapon because they actually have that skill in their tree. And if you put points into a weapon skill, it increases damage and accuracy and gives you a weapon firing power that you can mm-hmm. use to remove the heat. And there's, there's, advan- there's advantages to playing as a soldier, but it gives a big combat buff to the other classes like that historically are not very good in combat, such as the engineer 
the Sentinel, which is what I played through because Sentinel is my favorite Mass Effect class, and the Adept. Previously, those were each classes that could only use a pistol effectively. And while there are several good pistols in Mass Effect, they are not exactly the highest damaging weapon. But I, for example, on this playthrough, primarily used a sniper rifle because the Sentinel is kind of a supporter class. You use your powers to debuff and buff your allies. And so it's it's tailor-made to sit back with a sniper rifle. And it was a really kind of, it was fun, but still kind of weird experience to play through as a play through a game without like any of the same sort of like combat restrictions that you previously would have had to play through. Uh, They also reworked the way that overheating works. It's still like you have a certain number of shots before it overheats, but they've kind of reworked it. So it works a little more like a thermal clip in the later mass effect titles. Um, but overall, like the mo- biggest change is just how it feels to shoot the gun. Everything feels more accurate. Damage seems to correspond with where you actually hit them. The hit detection is oh, a lot good. better. Uh, the cover system has been reworked to be a lot better. Certain maps have been redesigned to provide more cover. The most uh, prevalent example of this is the Matriarch Benezia fight on Novaria. That was one of the notoriously more difficult fights because there were a lot of biotics being thrown around and really nowhere to take cover. Um, so they that put, was difficult. Put but a they've, couple they've, uh, upturned wheelbarrows around the arena now. Yeah, they they put some boxes in and they've actually expanded the map a little bit to be a little less cramped. So you had they found that a lot easier. Um, the autosave feature, which is one of my bigger gripes about the original Mass Effect still kind of sucks. However, because combat has been improved so much, you won't die nearly as often. I I think I only died like four or five times in my entire 60 plus, well, not 60 plus, like 35 hour playthrough of Mass Effect 1, which was nice. So I rarely got burnt by the bad autosave. The only one uh, encounter that I had difficulty with was... It was one of the UNC side missions where the biotic extremists take over a ship and you have to fight their leader and two goons who immediately cast throw when the combat starts and put you down. Uh, there are some glitches that I noticed in there that were in the original Mass Effect uh, that are still in Legendary Edition. And there are some new ones that aren't in the original Mass Effect but are in Legendary Edition now, but... For the most part, it's polished. The The main ones that I notice are still in there is the weird one where your character view gets separated from your targeting reticule on your gun and you, like, you can't turn the camera. Oh, weird. And you kind of walk funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but that usually, if you walk far long enough, it just fixes itself. Uh, there was this weird delay. I don't know if that's something just... It was... A glitch on my playthrough or if this is something other people have experienced there's a weird delay between when you use a power and when you can shoot your weapon again which made certain powers a lot less effective to follow up on um i haven't mm-hmm. tested that on my other computer to see if that was just a consequence of playing the game off of like an external hard drive with not the best loading speed um and the bigger, the biggest glitch that I found that 
you should avoid is there is a area on Vermeer. And actually, this happens a lot when you kill a Solarian, just in general. <laughs> um, your game's frame rate will tank into the single digits until you get far enough away from the body or like have a dialogue to reset it. Um, and there's an area on Vermeer where this will ha- go for a, a while. And there's, you know, a few enemy encounters between where you pick up this glitch and where you can fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my advice to you is if you are playing the Vermeer mission, do not put the Solarian indoctrinated victims out of their misery uh, with that renegade option because Evil it will, ghosts will tank your fucking computer. It will destroy your frame rate on PC. Uh, as far as I know, this is not an issue on consoles. Um, and it's a, it's a entirely skippable thing. So it's not, I'm not going to take too many points off for it. Um, but it is there and you should be aware of it. Uh, the graphics are beautiful. Uh, not every texture is as sharp as I'd like it to be. Um, but they are, they've actually released some updates that have improved those already. Uh, so if they keep supporting this game, they might get everything eventually. Uh, but overall, the graphical presentation is light years ahead of even what the a lot of textures mods were capable of producing. Uh, all the videos have been upscaled. There's native controller support on PC. There is uh, ultra-wide support and high-fresh... High, Refresh rate support on PC as well, all native. So you don't have to go through the lengthy process of installing these mods and making sure you did in the right order so everything works together. Um, it just, it just, it's all there by default. And that alone to me is worth $60 to get all three of these games with all that stuff there by default without having to monkey around with it and have huge game installs like the whole thing's only a hundred and some gigabytes which is less than what mass effect 3 was with all the mods installed it's less than like what fucking cod is when you take yeah it's less than a warzone update for cod (laughs) i hate i side note i i do hate that for call of duty where you can't effectively put the they they literally broke up the game so you can install part of your game on your console yeah. I don't. I don't have the campaign installed on Modern Warfare. That's so fucking weird. I just don't weird. have the campaign. Campaign like other stuff. Uh, there's like uh, extras, features that I don't have yeah. on it because it's like I only play it for Warzone and multiplayer, and that's it. But, One of the other big chain. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was saying, ahead. but you can do that with Mass Effect. Yeah. You can- uh, <laughs> One of the other big changes with Mass Effect One is the improved Mako handling. It drives a little nicer. You can still make it breakdance if you hit the wrong thing at the wrong angle. Um, But it is much improved. I think if the terrain design were a little better, it'd it'd be perfect. But since every fucking explorable planet is just a series of cliffs that you have to mountain goat over because the marked paths are never clear. Um it can be a little frustrating, but it was far less frustrating than it ever was in the original Mass Effect. Uh, the whole package together really made for an incredible experience. It was almost like playing it again for the first time. And, you know, I love Mass Effect. I think it, it it's arguable that it has the best story of either of the games. 
the squad is written better in Mass Effect 2, but the characters from Mass Effect 1 are all iconic. Um, and it's really great. So there's also one other change where at the beginning of the game, you can select either... Uh, there's two different settings for level progression. You can do the uh, classic style, which has a level cap of 60, and the same experience things, although they did remove the level 50 level cap for your first playthrough, and they adjusted it so it is technically possible to reach the level cap uh, in one playthrough, but you have to do pretty much everything. I played with the new Legendary Edition uh, level progression, which had a level cap of 30, and kind of reworked the experience around that. And it felt nice. It felt a lot smoother than I remembered it being in the original game. Although I did about 85% of all the missions in the game, and I still only made it to level 28. Uh, looked like I was going to hit level 30, but then I just hit a wall at level 27, and I got pretty much all the way through Ilos until I hit level 28, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make it. Um, and upon import into Mass Effect 2, that somehow translated as level 55, which was kind of weird, but they've reworked the uh, import bonuses for Mass Effect 2, which I'll talk about when I review that game, so it made a little less difference, although... Uh, some of the other changes they made in Mass Effect 2 kind of make the import bonus changes a little less exciting. But that is those are comments for another day. I really enjoyed Mass Effect 1 Legendary Edition. If you tried to play Mass Effect, especially on the PC, if you tried to play Mass Effect and you're just like, it's just too, too clunky to get going, um, this is definitely the definitive way to experience the game and it's so much easier it's never been easier even if you're not a keyboard and mouse guy the native controller support is tops i played these games all on the xbox first and i can't play with a keyboard it just doesn't work in my head so it's really nice to have it just automatically detect and work and you can use whatever controller you want um and it's if you're someone who's already played Mass Effect, I think the experience has been enhanced enough for you to find enjoyment of it. Uh, so I recommend this game to everyone. It's it's Mass Effect done better than before, and that's that's really all you need to know. It's one of the like greatest games of the last console generation, enhanced for new generation stuff. So definitely recommend picking that up. For your bloodthirst, also, if you're feeling bloodthirsty, we've got a movie that will satisfy your, your bloodlust if you are yeah. named Goreburger. Or if you like Statham, if you got the lust for the Jason Statham. They build us Jason Statham, but we opened it up and found the, the gooey soft inside that was Jeffrey Donovan. <laughs> that was that was my that was my redemption for this movie. Um, I don't know what you all talking about. Was movie need, like I did not this like movie this was, movie. I I disagree. <laughs> this all right. I, I thought it was okay. I, I I'll be the middleman. It's not it's not like the best movie. Like I no, I think it's like okay, but I don't think it's by any means bad. It reminds me of like Twister. 
or like That's it reminds me of Top take. Gun, but not in like the way that you would think. Um, made Top Gun good. <laughs> so this, I it came together in the end for me, but like. It only just came together for me, and the beginning of it did not sell me. The start of this movie was... No, it wasn't that that made for me. It was, like, it it had an anti-hook to start this movie, where the first scene of this movie is the inciting incident that everything else kind of... They kind of go back and forth. It's like the refrain, where you come back to it from every different perspective. And later in the movie, I was like, okay, this, this I see what he was going for here. But when I first see the movie, it's a dude who gets into a car and the other guy is obscured and they it sounds like they're doing bad ADR and there's no camera movement and they just talk about the blandest shit for the first five minutes and then an action scene happens and we don't see the action and then the shot ends. And I'm like, that's, well, that's going to get if, me to watch the rest of this movie? It happened. You do see a fair bit of the action it's just not center frame, which was a stylistic choice. It, it, you cannot like the stylistic choice, which is mm-hmm. fine. That's your opinion. Um, and I get why they did it, because is, when you yeah, go is, back, you have to see, you learn the bits and pieces. Yeah. But as a man who walked who walked into this movie not knowing what was going on, I'm like, this is not... Me- I, yeah, maybe that, I will. I'll <laughs> level with you there. It does take a while for everything to kind of click into place, where you can start to wrap your head around the plot. The way this it, the story's told is pretty typical for Guy Ritchie movies, like Snatch. For Guy Ritchie, yeah, yes. Snatch has a lot of that in it, and uh, the Gentleman has a lot of that in it. Gentleman is actually very similar in terms of like you open with the inciting incident. But you're not really sure the outcome, and then the rest of the movie is like everything that led up to that, and you know the resolution of it. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it does it a little bit better because it sets the table a bit better uh, than this movie. This movie keeps things, I think, a little more heavily obscured than it has to for a little longer than it has to, uh, mm-hmm. which I can see more casual movie fans not liking that, or even just. If you personally don't enjoy that, uh, where it would get on your nerves a little. But I I didn't mind it too much. I am a little more patient a movie watcher, I guess. I, I kind of get that, though. The, like the hook, you want to be drawn into a movie like this is what you're going to expect. And the first thing we see is is something that's kind of not action-y. And, kind well, of well, it's, it wasn't even that. It just felt to but me like I it guess was unintentional. You, but, like it was oh, just okay, like oh it. I accidentally made this a bad movie I like it just didn't look like it was executed oh, okay. well to me I mean I I kind of figured they were going for something like just a, hey this is a different kind of way to shoot an action scene um, I didn't know that like later on they would build on it and like show it from a different yeah. angle um, which I mean I thought it was okay. I, I thought that was that was a fine I mean, way to it, do it. It's taking it's taking the uh concept of shooting the scene from a character's perspective to an extreme. Like Sure, yeah. We follow the perspective of the cash truck drivers in the beginning and we only see like 
that perspective. It doesn't change. The perspective is very fixed, which I've I've seen stuff like that. I actually kind of like a little bit when there's background details in a shot that reward you for paying attention. Be like, oh, yeah, that's okay. I can see that that's happening there. Uh, not everyone feels the same way, and it is a very valid argument on a technical level that that is a bad way to shoot a scene. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes you have to break technical rules to in- in- yeah, introduce style. Where I will think that this movie is a lot weaker than other Guy Ritchie movies is that the transitions between the time periods and perspectives of the character are a lot more abrupt and a lot less clear than in his usual than in his other movies there's like so i yeah what there's a couple weird editing things in this um i uh well we gotta get into the story i mean i don't have to get into the story to talk about this but uh we talked about how post malone was in this um did was there one shot where it showed like post malone for like a frame like jason statham who's the main character He's like looking at something and just like it's not like a quick like flash by in an instant for him, but like he looks down at Post Malone and it cuts away like really quick and I'm like what <laughs> what happened? I do remember that. And then they uh, did a similar thing when yeah. uh, later again again like the first time it happens I was like what is this and then they like it, they do it again so I'm like oh okay so what they're doing um, where they do an establishing shot over the city. But it only again, it only lasts like a second. It's not they don't establish the establishing shot um, when they're going over like the whatever dome in Los Angeles it is. Right. And later I they did it, I think, to better effect where it's like as Jeffrey Donovan is talking about his uh, his goings on and they're panning over a city, say they're in the city <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> they're somewhere in the city. Um that one, that one was good, but like the first time they did it, they they only like had one second of drone footage, and I was like, "What? What was that there for?" <laughs> A little disjarring. Um, but yeah, back to the story. So from this, it opens on the 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 wrath of man and our man, Jason Statham, H.M. <laughs> Statham. Yeah. Um, so we and- can't really talk too much about it without spoiling hmm. the story and he writes some of a, the reveals there yeah um then let's just give our opinion because the the format of this movie is like a twisty plot in multiple parts it's split up into you you might call it chapters yes and we um, can we can summarize the plot in a way that makes a lot of sense but in so doing we take a lot of things out of order and kind of ruin some of the twists and turns. So I guess, yeah, we'll do, do some up of spoiler free stuff. Um, if you are a fan of Guy Ritchie movies, you will likely enjoy this. It probably won't be your favorite. It's a much, uh, grittier and vi- more violent tone than he usually puts out. Um, and, uh, it, it's not going to, I don't think it'd win over a ton of new fans, but there are a lot worse movies out there right now that you could be seeing. So if you're looking for something to go out and see or stay in and see, as this is now available for uh, home theatrical viewing, 
uh, it's pretty good. I would say it's. I'd give it like a six and a half out of ten. Um, if you're interested in watching it, watch it. It didn't particularly move me. Jake. Oh, that was it. <laughs> um, yeah, it it uh it was actually um it had Jason Satham being pure Jason, unadulterated Jason Satham. Quieter than um, ever. <laughs> it, it, it was it was fine. Uh, coming from like a like understanding, there was a uh, stylistic approach, and it was uh it was my first like guy Ritchie movie that i actually watched um i could appreciate some of the 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 uniqueness of the way he shoots his movies um which was refreshing i will say in that case it is refreshing to see a movie that's not uh necessarily a linear movie it's more of just a uh you know you're, you're constantly going back and getting like more information revealed to you which is from what i understand he's done it before in in snatch and gentlemen um, and that was refreshing. I like that. Um, maybe the execution could have been done better, and maybe the story and uh, maybe the character development could have been done a little bit better. But I, I thought it was okay. I, again, yeah. I'm I've seen Army of the Dead this week, and I could watch a I could watch paint dry, uh, <laughs> and and be more entertained. Maybe yeah, that's the so, difference. I didn't watch like I said, it's not dead. it's not his it's not his strongest movie by any means. There are, are things wrong with it on a technical level. Uh but it's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Alright, let's get into the story. So Jason Statham is a mafioso. He's well first thing, he's our main character, which is in the in the context of thinking back on like a guy rich thing, that's kind of a... it's almost to this movie's detriment because this movie, I feel, really would benefit from being a like a weaved tapestry of like the ensemble, you know, because they had a lot of high, pro- you know, high profile actors with all these different roles, and you're shifting perspectives a lot. So yeah. having him as the main character makes sense at the start, and then later on, I'm like, why, why they should have start, they should have set this up better. Um, but anyways, yes, he is our he is our loner main character who rolls into town. Well, yeah. So, like, I, I guess the executive thing. So, I was going for like the overall what you know mm. at the end is that Jason Statham, his character is a mafia mafia dude. Yep. Who? Yeah. Uh, his crew starts robbing armored trucks because it's easy money, and one of these heists goes a little wrong because there's another crew that's robbing the armed trucks. Or oh, I thought trucks. he was hiring his crew hired the hitmen to do the truck hits. No, 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 no. There, there were two separate crews, yeah, from what I and he was staking out where this yes. armored truck was going because so some other guy cra- like But then a drunk oh, driver intercepted in. the guy <laughs> who was going to hit it for them, so the other crew got to uh, It's a really unfortunate circumstances. A lot of a lot of things had to fall into place for this, uh, for for their paths to intersect. That is, uh, yes. I, I will, that is I will quite agree. the coincidence. Okay, so yeah. they're robbed, but or maybe maybe it wasn't actually a drunk driver, and maybe it's that was the part of their the the soldiers' plan. So the there's, there's this group of soldiers, 
that's gotten into robbing these armored trucks because I guess they didn't get paid enough for their service in Afghanistan. And they've got all these yeah. these skills and they've not reintegrated into society well. Um so they start They're working robbing for like these. an oil company and they the, the the people up top were getting paid so much more than them and they were doing all the hard yeah. work. Yeah. So yeah, they rob the oil company people, but they're like, oh, that's not a big enough score. So they start hitting these trucks because they have a man on the inside. And they hit this one truck, uh, but because Jason Statham's character had to go scout it out for them when he was on his day off with his son, he puts his son in danger and his son ends up getting killed. And he gets shot up, but he survives. Mm-hmm. And uh, he swears vengeance on them, so he he goes the whole scorch, scorched earth, and he's got his crew shaking down every other crew to find out who could have done this. And it's none of the mafia, the other organized crime people, because it's this group of outsiders, and no one knows who they are. So, in order to figure it out from within, he poses as someone else. And gets as H, uh, and he he gets a job at the uh, armored truck company to figure out who these people are and, and get his revenge. And he eventually, during their big heist, where they try to rob the depot, uh, he figures out everything clicks into place and he gets his chance at them. And... Uh, the whole story comes together and moves forward from from where it is, and yeah. the, the core is a basic it's, revenge plot. It's and, a fine uh, story, yeah. It's a fine story. It works. There's some good performances. There's some less some, than good performances. Some bad performances. Um, um, but so immediately, but you like, get to watch. You get to watch Michael Wesson fight Deckard Shaw. What yes. more could you want out of a movie? Yep. Um, in terms of good performances, bad performances, it's almost delineated on the two different crews. There's the cash truck crew, which feels like a fucking um, oh, a bunch who, of first time actors. Yeah, who did it? Who did Independence Day? Um, Roland Emmerich. Oh, it looks Roland like a, like Roland Emmerich just hired a bunch of people and like made them the characters because you have. It's it like I said, that's why I said it was like Twister or is like Top Gun, like a Tom Cruise kind of like generic like movie because they're all these stock trips. There's the tough girl. There's there. there there's the uh, the snide like mustache dude. And they're all shooting the shit is the most bro in his bros that ever broed. Yep. Yeah. Very... I mean, like, I honestly I kind of liked the uh, the dialogue and the play between the characters, like the words that they said. I thought were pretty good. The way they delivered the words, not so much. Yeah, and especially mm. Bullet. Uh, when it got to him, I I was not impressed by his performance. Um, no, he, he was his, like especially his facial expression. You're Jason Statham. My you, man was you, a Bullet Bill. Your your name is Hill, but I'll call you H. Like this is how he delivered the lines. Like he was looking yeah. at the camera and narrating the script mm-hmm. to my it face. It was almost like he had cue cards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was very so. Uh, the big spoiler, I guess, is Bullet is the inside man for for Jeffrey Donovan's crew. Now, did Whoa. did you guys guess that? Because yes. I okay. I was good. I was they they tried to put it they tried to make you think it was going to be Boy Sweat, 
but, but like I'm that's like, an obvious. No, that's too obvious a red herring. It has yeah. to be Bullet. I've seen Treasure Planet. I know that the the nice mentor character who takes in the main character will turn out to be the bad guy, so you can have that betrayal element. I've, I've yep. played those games. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's the he is the inside man with some. There are some red. Oh, herrings. I'll give them credit. They did obscure it pretty well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they didn't really there, there was it, there yeah. was just there was just too few options. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. make sense. It's like who is it going to be? Like the the girl or whatever, or because the, they the eliminate her like the in the from... beginning when yeah. when Jason Statham sleeps with her and then confronts her about it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, boy sweat was too obvious a red herring, and um, like it was either. It was the that left either bullet or the guy who the nebbish um yeah the HR guy who was opening well not the uh he wasn't on my list the guy who like got his job taken away on the truck and was opening the door was my maybe my oh, other okay possible but he seems a lot less likely to me so that mm. left bullet so I wasn't as surprised but it still was a satisfying like story twist as it occurred even if yeah. I do. Kind of I do like it. how they revealed it too, um, and it, it it was revealed in a way that I wasn't expecting. It was I it was fitting was of the character in a lot of yeah. ways because he was very folksy about it. He's like, so I've got these friends. Uh, they're gonna rob the truck, and we're gonna we're gonna hit the depot. Uh, you know, I like you, so I'm just gonna give you the heads up on this, and if you cooperate, everything's gonna be fine. No one's gonna get well, hurt. And I think that speaks a little bit of volume to like the character of the people who are robbing uh, the, the the depot yeah. and everything. And they made them the sympathetic because you're like, oh they, yeah, they, they their motives are pretty pure and they're they're pretty nice well, they about it. It's just it's just anybody. the one asshole. Like there's yeah, one there central asshole who who you know was forced. I don't know it. It wasn't like a it was an accident, but it was a. You know, he was forced to. to He's shoot too hot headed. Was his issue, mm-hmm. and he didn't listen to Sarge's orders. So that that kind of made the botch job happen. Because if he's if he's not as much of a uh, impetus mm. little man, uh, yeah. then he doesn't asshole. have to shoot shoot H's kid, and H doesn't have to go on this fucking revenge tour. Sorry. Yep. Which so it's one wow. mistake by one asshole. Mm-hmm. Who's comically evil? <laughs> While the Jake is away, we we will the the Jeffrey Donovan will play because um, yes. I want to talk about Jeffrey Donovan. They just let him go full and how how it was a burn notice episode when he was going over the plan for the heist. Yep, I felt warm <laughs> and comfortable, and I'm just like, you just let Jeffrey Donovan narrate a heist any day of the week. I'll yeah. I'll watch that. That's prime television. I like cuddled up under a blanket next to Diane. I'm like, oh, we're watching Bird Notice now. <laughs> What's that like? And just like the way he del- he can he's like a he's like a script Rumpelstiltskin. He can just spin this <laughs> shit into gold because like everyone there had the same script, but some of the guys like there's the one um, the one soldier guy who's like I like fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm so built for ca- combat. I'm like ugh. As he looks lit, he's like at the camera. He's like, "I'm the soldier guy." <laughs> and then, and then Jeff Donovan gives lines off that same script, and you're like, "That's that Sarge right there. That's the man. Yeah. He knows what's I mean, going on." Like that's that's what I'm saying is like the writing wasn't bad, but the casting 
was not great because man they got people who who looked the part but weren't great actors (laughs) for a lot of roles not all of them like it was it was kind of like half and half i'd say that half the people in this movie were competent the good actors uh most importantly the two like leads jeffrey donovan and jason statham are Mm -hmm. competent the good actors so it the movie works from that standpoint, but a lot of the supporting performances are a little off mm-hmm. in and various different ways. They're either too wooden or like a little too fluid or just not the right like feel for that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so the um, my other I guess that ties into my other um, complaint with with how the, the structure went and why I said, like, weird. it's weird that Jason Statham is the main character because, like we said, this movie is built into four parts. It's like a dark spirit. Um, what's the second one? Um, bad animals. Bad, bad animal, heart, liver, lung, spleen. Uh, that's the last one. That's the last one. Um, but what's Scorched the... Earth is, I think, yep. the second one. And... Yeah. So, those- so, yeah, they, they're the chapter titles, and the title of the chapter is either a line spoken. Well, actually, I think it's always a line spoken in mm-hmm. the in the scene. That kind of like, like it's like Castlevania. When you hear it, you're names. like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. OK, I got you. I see what you're doing there. Um, But so it it was jarring for me when we 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 got the Jason Statham thing. He's doing his stuff. We're learning about him. And then we cut away to an extended, um, uh, not a flashback, but to like a, uh, you know, explanation or like setup on the other side where it's just a good quarter of the movie is um, Sarge and the crew leading, you know, their exploits leading up to the heist. And I was like, if I knew about a little more about these guys at the beginning or we teased them at the beginning, I wouldn't be as weird but it felt yeah. to me like this came out of nowhere and we dropped was, the main plot for I think a while it was a consequence yeah i think it was a consequence of of how they wanted to like get the reveals in because you had you you opened with the the truck people like two guys in the truck who who aren't major characters and then immediately you, you see jason statham but he's got a mysterious origin but since he's like I see what you're saying, where it's maybe a little hurt that he's the principal character because you have to uh, maybe incorrectly or less optimally sequence things by putting his background explanation first because he's you're with him for most of the movie, so you kind of have to know about him sooner. Um, I don't know if it would have worked if you. I I don't know that it would or would not have worked going the other way. Hmm. with it and having going from the the truck heist to sarge's group or the truck heist to jason statham showing up at the truck company to jeffrey donovan's squad's origins then back to his origins and then have it play out the same way it did from there uh maybe it would maybe it wouldn't um i definitely would see i I see the strength in establishing the uh the assailants sooner, but maybe that kind of like 
I, I could see where that could maybe lead to uh, just as much confusion also. Yeah, like um, like we said, when he did Snatch, that was very, uh, very ensemble sort yes. of spread there. And maybe that's the reason he did it this way to stop people from saying, oh, this is like the same thing as Snatched. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wanted to try it differently with a more focused main character. And that's that's part of the learning process. Maybe be like, okay, I can do this if I tweak this and this about it, but spin the for dials. first effort, yeah, yeah, for first effort, it worked okay enough, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, like, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like how the, I'm trying to remember how the whole thing because um, he builds up to the. It goes on H's story all the way up to the right before the climactic set piece, and then it cuts back, and then it builds up the whole antagonistic force uh, in some kind of temporal pincer of, of film <laughs> editing, so that when so that when the depot gets raided by these people, now we know who they are and what's going down, and again, and, and you have the, like the choreograph of the of the um start of that scene of or i guess the whole uh raid um combined again with jeffrey donovan's delivery and he always cuts back and sees them successfully executing this plan just about every step of the way um was a great was was a great experience and i like how you know like this would have worked fine had it not been for h getting a job at the the truck mm-hmm. company. Yeah. And even um, then it, it went pretty well. I mean, it did, I, they, they, didn't they lost lose. like half their guys in the, uh, yeah. in the, at the depot. That's fair, <laughs> but they didn't lose the money. Yeah. No, they didn't. Uh, not until the very end. Uh, so Jansen, I, Jan is, is the bad, bad mamma jamma who shot, who shot mm-hmm. the, is Jason Statham's son. And Doug. he's he's also an asshole, and he does the Dark Knight thing of you know like killing off the guys so that there's one less share. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so I'm back now. Um, so, <laughs> um, I, I guess uh, that was kind of like out of left field for me, but uh, they kind of set it up when they were like, oh, when you get like a taste of blood, you go on this rampage. Um, or when you get a taste of blood, you don't really like lose it. I just it felt weird that he started like killing off everybody. Well, he himself, I think he just kind of saw the opportunity. Like Sarge was already wounded, he probably wasn't gonna make it, and he was the other fed two up with guys, all that shit anyhow. Yeah, and the other two guys, you know, died in the depot. Yeah, they they, they died in the depot. So he only killed. I mean, he only killed two he people. Kill, yeah, so he he kills Sarge because he was he and Sarge did not get along well because he was a, a fuckhead, and Sarge is like, you're gonna blow this for all of us. Um, and so Bullet's suspicious of him and he, he sees the opportunity to call off with all the money and then he's just one step behind Jan in that regard. So Jan thinks he gets away with it, goes all the money. And then, so the funny thing about watching this movie is Jason Statham's character has Flight of the Valkyries as his ringtone. I also have Flight of the Valkyries as my ringtone. <laughs> so every time... Or Ride of the Valkyries, whichever it is. I think it's a ride. So every time that phone rang in the uh, movie, 
like Diane would look at me and I look at my phone and be like, that's oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, I which kind of led to some confusion in the final scene when mm-hmm. the phone starts ringing and Diane's like, is that is that in the movie? I'm like, yep, yeah, it's in the movie. <laughs> um, I'd like to take this moment to talk about the song, the one song that goes through the whole movie. Wah, wah. I, I like, I can't. It's it it oppressed me, but I can't remember it. It's like wah 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 wah. Every time you open the door. Every time there was a new scene, I'm like, get a different song. I looked at the at the end of the credits, and there were three songs. There was like one on the, I guess one that was like on the radio somewhere. There was the ringtone, Ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> and then there was that, I, I don't even remember the name of the song on that score. But there were only three musical pieces in this movie. It's got, it's got Rich's boom. It's, it's minimalism. <laughs> It's funky and it's low volume. It's minimalism in sound design. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I, just I think I think in the climax, one, at least, which is the only time game. I really noticed the soundtrack. Um, I think it worked like at the climax scene where he confronts and kills Jan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really also the only loose end that they leave in the story is how he survived getting shot by. Sarge at the depot. Yeah. He's got the wrath of man. I guess he's just bulletproof because he survived the other six shots that he took. He's yeah. He, he, the, he was going for vengeance. I understand it would have hurt the pacing of that scene to, to show the explanation of how that happened, but it is kind of like the only prominent loose end. So it it stands out a lot. I think it would have been, I think it would have been interesting if they um, had gone with Jason Statham dying in the end. Uh, like the only thing yeah, that with, drove with just him... the bad guy wins. Like it could have been a an interesting. Oh, I, no, I mean like after after he shot him, like oh, after he shot like it, oh, everything like, wraps like, up. Like right. the only thing driving him to like he he is he is bleeding out. He is he is on death's door, and the only thing getting him to the end was like vengeance for his son. And I thought that would have would have mm-hmm. been would have been nice, but I, um, especially since he was shot, uh, you know, a few times. Yeah, that ending that's another thing that just didn't sit well with me because he gets in the car and he drives off, and then the scene pans up to the city, um, and as as the themes, there were themes in the movie, there were uh, through lines in the movie. I didn't think the city was one of them. You know, this wasn't like it's not like the town. You know, yeah. where Boston is like a main character. Um, so ending it on a shot of the skyline was like maybe like maybe ended on the pile of the money next to like Jansen's dead hand or something or some sort of yeah. like thematic like this is what this is what or it all ends shot. up as. Maybe visited his son's grave or something. I don't know. That'd be that'd be nice. I think what they were going for, but they kind of let the shot linger a little too much is. You know, cars driving off, you pan up the show, like, it driving off into the distance as you fade to black. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it kind of lingered on the city a lot longer yeah. than uh, it perhaps should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the ending kind of overall was like, oh, well, I guess I guess that's it then. Yep. And now, now that we've watched this movie, 
um, in the credits, I saw a little thing. It said, based on the Convoyeur. Turns out this is a remake of a 2004 movie called Cash Truck. I thought that was what this was originally titled. Uh, probably. And they, they ended up changing the name. Um, yeah, it's based on a 2004 French action movie called Le Convoyeur. Uh, um, translated there. into English as Cash Truck for like the sub, you know, the subtitle or dub release. Yeah, I see. Um, was that based off of Cash Cab? <laughs> ben Paley. Ben Bailey be used movie. to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> ben Bailey, where you at? We know you. We know you listen. I think he just cycles through Twitter accounts because he because he's one of those guys who has like a hundred and fifty thousand followed and a hundred fifty thousand mm. followers. Hmm. Um. So I'm interested to see that. I'm wondering, like, if it disappointed me because it was like an old boy situation. I want to see how the how the 2004 cash truck uh, stacks up against this. So I may watch that in my own time. Yeah, I mean that kind of feels right because you know this has it has a a good pinch of the Guy Ritchie style to it, but. It doesn't quite feel like one of his other movies. Mm -hmm. So that might be an explanation as to why, like other than the Sherlock Holmes, because it's the same situation with the Sherlock Holmes movies, right? The Robert Downey Jr. ones where mm -hmm. there's some Guy Ritchie stuff in there, like, you know, the, the slow-mo discombobulate sort of thing. Like that's a very Guy Ritchie sequence. Um, but like, because he's working off source material, the writing and, and pacing of the story is a lot different than what you would usually see in one of his movies that he himself wrote mm -hmm. uh, from scratch. So that makes that makes a fair amount of sense and kind of explains why uh, maybe it's not as good as The Gentleman or Snatch or Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels. Um, yeah. So I'll have so yeah, to that, see that, that and find out. That makes Continue a lot of... My voyage. A lot of sense. Uh, but overall, not a bad movie. Um, I would say if, if you're a fan of Guy Ritchie, it's worth seeing in theaters. Uh, if you're not, wait for the home video release if you're curious to see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's our fun diversion into uh, remakes of French action movies for this week. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what we got. Yep. Thanks for spending just about two hours of your Saturday or whenever the fuck you listen to this <laughs> with us. Uh, we'll be back for episode two sixty seven next week, reviewing something we don't plan that far in advance. Come on, you should know that by now. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you enjoy the show, the easiest way to show your support is to just simply listen every week uh, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, there might be some issues with Apple's new iOS update, not pushing out podcasts nope. to people on Apple podcasts. So if that's, that's you, um, I, my advice to you would be to use one of the several other platforms we are available on just about every podcast app you can get your hands on. We're on there. Uh, and if we're not, just let us know. We'll work on fixing that up. Uh, Saturnstuds.com is a place to go for links to our Twitch stream, which we will do tonight uh, around 8 Eastern. 
uh, Divinity 2 Original Sin, Twitch TV, backslash Saturn Studs is the place to go for that. Uh, SaturnStuds.com also has other information like our YouTube channels and uh, like bios and stuff. And I should probably update the uh, website to see what's on there. <laughs> Spruce it up, but uh, until then, and until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.